Cleveland. Oh, Justin Madden's got the set. One hand. to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Ah, we do welcome you right around Australia and the response to our series has been absolutely magnificent and the stars and legends just keep on lining up for a marvellous interview. And as usual, I'm going to try and give you a few clues. And before you say, I know who this is. The VFL-AFL is a wonderful Australian game, folks. And thousands of men have played the game at this, the highest level. Some play and move on. Others have more of an impact. And our guest today, when the history of the game is written, will take his rightful spot. He played 250 games and kicked 549 goals for the Caringbush that I call them. It is Collingwood. A 1990 Premiership player, three times the VFL-AFL Team of the Year, five times Collingwood leading goal kicker, a Collingwood Team of the Century and an inductee into the Australian Football Hall of Fame. Have you got it yet? Well, there was a few stars around that time. I'll give you the brain buster. He is known as the Macedonian Marvel. That's right. He is Peter Dakos. And Dakes, we're back. And it's great to celebrate your footy life and welcome. Uh, good on you, Rexy. Thanks Thanks so much for having me on. It's, uh, uh, I'm humbled, so thank you. Well, you should be because only the very, very best uh, get, get on here. I've worked with you. I've broadcast. I've played one season against you. Uh, what a career. Take us back to the start when you grew up in South Melbourne and tell us about first you saying... I love this game, and uh, I'm going to make a real go at it. Well, naturally, the game was sort of uh, imparted uh, onto me through my, my dad, who uh, actually, when he came to Australia, uh, sort of lived in South Melbourne, uh, worked in Preston, but more importantly, started following uh, the VFL and uh, the South Melbourne uh, down there at the end of uh, Clarendon Street. Yeah. Uh, so dad, dad was... Uh, uh, fell in love with the game, and naturally, as I sort of you know passed that on to me, and and that's where I I first uh, learned to to get a snapshot of the game. But then, the the second part to that is uh, football commentary, and I reckon uh, Lou Richards had a, a lot to do with me falling in love with the game too. Yes. Lou and Butch Gale and Jack Edwards and these these guys that uh, were calling games back in the late sixties, early seventies. So, as a, as a young kid, football was always you know where I wanted to be, and um, I took it up as a as a young fella playing in North Fitzroy uh, at Alfred Crescent. Yeah, and uh, I believe in the, in in the under elevens, uh, you didn't muck about. You got off just with a lazy seven, uh, Marvel, <laughs> did you? Well, well, I no, that was with Clifton Hill. I yeah. uh, I was just in the local park, and um, and someone had spotted me. And I think asked me to have a kick with the, their local under eleven team because yeah. they were shorter numbers, and I had a kick <laughs> that night and. Happened to get a few touches and and then made my way. I'll always remember it. I actually walked from home, which was Scotchmere Street, Fitzroy, to where the zoo is. Um, Gee, down there. I I, I walked there, uh, played the game, and as you made mention, kicked a few goals. Yeah, and, you did. Uh, and and that was the start of my football outside of um, school hours. So with I started with the school team in grade three. So uh, I was only a young fella, but. Um, you know, sort of had uh, 
started pretty early. Yeah, and the Macedonian marvel goes back to when mum and dad met at a good old-fashioned dance at Fitzroy. Now they meet on the internet, and uh, you don't know what you're going to get, but mum and dad went to the dance, and the rest is history. They uh, they produced this wonderful, wonderful legend of our game. Oh, well, yeah, well, you know more about it than I. Uh, too, too right, I do. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, you're right, mum and dad met here. They did know each other from the village, but... Uh, had married here in East Melbourne, and, and as you made mention, Fitzroy Town Hall was was where they used to get out to on the on the Saturday night, and um, as part of the Macedonian community. And um, you know, the rest is uh, written in history. You know, sort of along I came along, yeah. and I have two siblings, you know, a sister and a brother, and um, yeah, so be it, as they say. Can you remember as a kid, Peter Dacos being above average, or did you practice some of those dribbling, worm-burning, mongrel punts, that sort of thing? Uh, because that is your trademark, you know. Here's Dakes on the boundary, right half forward, planks it goes on and on for a goal. When was the first time you said, "I reckon I can get this ball on a string"? Oh, I, I, I think as a kid, I think you go out there and play. I don't think there's any conditions, and I, I certainly don't. Um it's very hard to make comparisons uh, at that age. I mean, you know, you go out there and, and all you're doing is doing something you loved. And I just thought it was it was something that was uh, pretty much a part of everyone. Anyone that, you know, I had a fantastic, if I can sort of take you back, I had a fantastic uh, mentor or, or um, introduction into football. And that was a guy, a school teacher by the name of Vin Dam, who was our football coach at Alfred Crescent. He... He imparted some great football skills, and um, and his his um, education um, or what he passed on to me was just uh, was just invaluable. And I I can think back to if anyone knows the Edinburgh Gardens and where Alfred Crescent Primary School is across the road. There used to be this old little sand oval that's now sort of covered in a bit of grass, but mm. it was only a mini oval. And every single night, and I'm not exaggerating, every single night. You know, we'd have uh, 20 boys congregate there after school and um, away we'd go on the sand oval. And I, and I remember uh, one of the things was that uh, when we are playing on this sand oval, if you if you fell, you made a mess of your legs. And so I suppose the first lesson there learnt was keep your feet. Yeah. And and then the other thing he, he uh, taught us to, to not do was bounce the ball. That was too easy. So he wanted us, if we were going to carry the ball, to touch the ground, which then taught us a little bit of balance and um, and so on and so on. And I think it's just like anything. Um, we can personalise our kicking, but at the end of the day, it's a touch sport and it's a matter of getting the ball in your hand. And you, you can never, ever explain how hard you need to kick thing 20 or 30 or 40 metres. You need to feel that. And um, in the end, it was just constant practice. And that's really what got me over the line. We're talking to Peter Dacos, a true legend of the game, 250 games for Collingwood, premiership player. My goodness gracious me, five times Collingwood leading goal kicker. Uh, you talk about, you know, practising, practising as a kid, but it also is a bonus if you love the game and you have passion and you had it in spades. Well, well, and, and again, Rex, I mean, you, you make a really valid point. At the end of the day, you know, we go out there and it's about uh, the thing you're always told and I, I sort of try and pass on to my kids, do something you love in life because if you're going to put the extra time and effort in it, it's not work. You know, you're doing something you love. So, you know, for me, the, the, the football was, was never too far away. You know, whether it was a structured session through teachers or... Um, the local football team or, or whether it was me just bouncing a ball or going to the park on my own or kicking the ball around, 
you know, my room or living room or backyard. I mean, it was never too far away. So, yeah, I, I think, you know, whether it be structured or unstructured, just so important. But the, the key to that was I was doing something, I, you know, I loved. And so yeah. for me, it was never work, as they say. Peter Dacos joins us. And, Pete, uh, I need to know <clears throat> a couple of things. Yeah, When did you think, gee, I'm ready to go to the next level? And uh, who came and saw you? to uh, eventually lead you to Victoria Park and the home of the most famous club in the competition? Well, that goes back to um, uh, 1977, and I was just a, a young 15-year-old and uh, a chap by the name of uh, Fred Stabb, who uh, unfortunately is no longer with us, uh, Fred. But Fred um, had approached me to come down and have a run with, with Collingwood. I was in their zone. I was playing at Preston. I moved from Fitzroy to Preston. Uh, mid 70s and so that put me into the um, uh, clutches or, or or the zone of Collingwood. Fred came and, and spoke to me actually uh, on a couple of occasions and I actually declined the offer for, for two reasons. Firstly thinking you know I didn't want to make uh, a fool of myself you know heading down to um, the, the, the football club I thought uh, all I'm going to do is end up landing on my head and um, and then having to come home with the, the tail between my legs and and uh, the other reason was I suppose you, you probably felt at home um, you know there was probably a lot of self-doubt about your, your you know sort of your, your football mouse or school um, and you know I just didn't want to make a fool of myself so you know there's a little bit of doubt as well so it was only after a teammate of mine from the, the same team at Preston RSL Paul Hepburn was invited down and that I thought yeah a little bit of company a little bit of bravado having a mate uh, alongside me that I mm. ventured down there and, and um, I was fortunate enough to play the second half of the year in the uh, under-19s and it just went on from there. Who was coaching? The, was Ronnie Richards coaching the under-19s? Uh, Ronnie was in the reserves at the yeah. time and uh, Des Healy was Des uh, Healy, oh, he, coach. He ran yeah. into uh, Bluey Adams in uh, one of those grand finals and nearly killed each other. But uh, Tommy, your first coach at senior level? Yeah, well, '78. I, uh, you know, I, again, you know, ended up getting a few few kicks uh, playing under 19s uh, in the early part of the year, and then by uh, the midway mark of '78, uh, I, I started training with the, the seniors, and you know, I was 16, and um, and I started playing seconds football, and I played the second half of the year. So that's where, you know, I um, I ran into Tommy, and and as a kid growing up, uh, you, you you would have had to have uh, lived under a rock. Who had yeah. not known who Tommy Hafey was, and you know the Richmond, the fabulous Richmond teams of the um, late sixties and and even into the early seventies. Yes. I remember as a kid watching the Richmond Carlton clashes, and mm. they were they were bloodbaths. And um, and and Tommy Hafey, well, for me it was. Uh, and I remember in seventy seven when I went to the underneens, Tommy took over Collingwood. He got them. I think they went from bottom in seventy six to he got them up within twelve months to play off in the grand final and I, did, yeah. I was I was fortunate enough to have him and look it was fantastic I mean I was just in awe of him I was you know the use of a better term gobsmacked you know when when he was addressing us at, at training and I was under his sort of uh, guidance it was just sensational Rex. Yeah uh, Peter Dacos is our special guest and uh, on behalf of Tobin Brothers we're celebrating the footy life of Dakes um, who were some of the more high-profile players who uh, were at Victoria Park when you first walked in there as a youngster trying out for the under-19s? Because, you know, it's famous and folklore for the 1990 mob, you know, and we'll get to them after the break. 
But who were some of the high-profile players who were still at Victoria Park in the, probably the twilight of their career? Well, uh, in, in 78, when I started playing in the twos, um, I actually played in a game at Victoria Park, which, uh, geez, which uh, you, it could have been mistaken for a senior team. We had Len Thompson. Um, uh, I, I'm not sure if Max Richardson was there, but Ross Twiggy Dunn was there. I even played a game with um, Phil Carmen. Goodness uh, me. Who played in the reserves game? I think Ronnie Weirmouth had always uh, yeah. was running around. So I think Max you know, had gone to Fitzroy, but you got the rest, of them, and they they were household names. But also, they will be in history for the wrong reasons of never playing in a Collingwood flag. It seems that you were always there before you got there, but you know luck didn't uh, sort of fall away. But you now know all those years ago, it was twenty five years ago, that premierships are not just for the day; they're for life. Well, they are, Rex, and it's, it's what I hang my hat on these days with, you know, 1990. I mean, you know, trying to recall, I've been out of the game 22 years now, so trying to recall, you know, excerpts uh, of different moments and whatnot, it's always hard because people don't, you know, you might get one guy out of the blue or s- some people that mention a game out at Waverley in 83 or 82 or whatever it may be, but because it's only a fleeting sort of mention, you know, once here or there, it, it's hard to you know, regurgitate or, or, or sort of come back to it. Whereas 1990, it just sort of, it, it, if it happened five years ago, I mean, no matter where I go, I, you know, popped in to get my groceries early this year and I just wanted to get in, get out and check out lady reminded me yeah. how it saved her marriage and how her husband <laughs> was so happy he didn't come home for, you know, two weeks. and Dates you know, saving marriages, stuff. that's dizzy stuff, son. <laughs> yeah, no, that's right. But... but but you know where I'm coming from. Yeah, I do. And, you know they're they're hard to to, to come by. They're um, hard enough to win one, let alone back to back. I mean, people, you know, you know, to, to win flags, there's a lot that that has to fall into play. I mean, you've you've got injuries out of the injuries naturally out of your control, but injuries, loss of form at the wrong time. You know, the timing of getting players up, you know, for the big game is is you know that that last Saturday in September, as they say, is yeah. um, all important. So the management of players, um, you know, it, it's a lot of things have to fall your way. And unfortunately, in football, you know, there are a lot of things out of your control and there's always other teams that are coming up as well. So to win a flag, you've got you've got to have performances. I think if you look across the board, um, even in 1990, you had some some pretty big performances by, by certain players, which was always hard to to replicate, you know, because they are out-of-the-box sort of performances. And at the end of the day, you, you, it's just so hard to sort of repeat them. And that's why I, I look these days with these back-to-backs, which is just a phenomenal effort oh. uh, from a lot of these teams and clubs and players. Peter Dacos is our special guest. And out of the break, Relays, join us again as we continue this magnificent journey at Victoria Park where a man has placed himself in the history of the game forever. 250 games, four, uh, 549 goals from the man affectionately known as the Macedonian Marvel. And stick around, folks, because there's plenty more to come. And uh, with Peter Dacos on This Is Your Football Life, but check us out on Twitter at Rex Football Life, and it's all for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals Celebrating Lives.
And we're celebrating the footy life of Peter Dacos, the Macedonian marble. And thanks for joining us on behalf of Tobin Brothers. And we're celebrating lives. Uh, I need to touch on the Collywobbles. They were buried in 1990 on that Sunday morning by Lou Richards. But my goodness me, I suppose in the back of your mind with the close calls with Tommy in grand finals, you'd wonder, when are we ever going to win one? Yeah, well, I suppose, yeah, and, and it's a fair point again. Um, you know, I did, uh, as a kid, uh, as a non-Collingwood supporter, I was a South Melbourne supporter as a kid, as we uh, made mention earlier. You know, um, you know, Collie Wobbles was around and, and Collingwood had failed in grand finals. Then as a player, uh, um, even in my own right, uh, 1980, 81, I lost day grand finals, I lost the night grand final, I lost the reserves grand mm. final, under-19 grand final. Goodness me. And so I'm 20 years of age, played in five grand finals uh, by the end of 81. And then uh, it was another nine years until we got uh, got that opportunity. And I will say, look, we went into that grand final in 1990, even though we we thumped uh, Essendon in the uh, second semi to qualify for the grand final. Um, there's always that as a play. There's always that. You don't come out and admit it, but there's always that little seed at the back of the head, you know, oh, saying, yeah. we just can't fail. Uh, and as it turned out, it uh, it went our way. Well, we'll get back to that very, very shortly. And I'll just uh, reiterate for our folk around the uh, country, you know, you've got blokes like Jonathan Brown, a legend of the game from Brisbane, 22 years of age, three premierships. And Mark Harvey, at 20 years of age, his first two years at Windy Hill were premierships. And sometimes you think, goodness me, like the kid in the lolly shop day, what about me? But uh, we don't operate on what ifs, what ifs in this particular land. Uh, as an 18-year-old, you kicked 76 goals. Was that from the half-forward flank? Because that was just an amazing effort, considering there's some decent full forwards uh, around in your day. Yeah, yeah, uh, that was uh, that was 19, 1981. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was 76. I'm, I'm not, yeah, 76. Yes, that's it. Yep. in there somewhere. Um, uh, I, I, I just turned. Uh, 20 so I was 19 yeah 19 and um, and I actually played 1980 in the centre and um, and did really well I missed five games and and um, unfortunately with a knee injury and and uh, was actually the first player to have the arthroscope surgery but having mm. said that Mark Williams arrived 81 which pushed me um, onto a flank um, and Choco took over that central part of the ground and um, and in the end again you know I'd pretty good supply but Craig Davis was running around we didn't have a full forward so it, it was um, shared and mixed amongst uh, quite a few players yeah uh, tell us uh, you know uh, Tommy got the flick and it eventually uh, you know went to Sydney he'd gone or I think he went to Geelong after you and then to Sydney so he'd been around and uh, of course with a four-time premiership CV uh, he was well in contention but uh, tell us about when you first found out that Lee Matthews was going to be coach and your early years with the legendary Lee well, yeah, Lee, um, well, uh, 1985, uh, I think Lee sort of arrived 86. 85, I did my knee, so I actually missed 12 months. I didn't play. I actually, and when Lee had arrived, I only actually ended up playing 20 games in about 20-odd games in three years. So um, so I didn't get Lee until 88. Lee had arrived um, and took over 86. I think he took over after five or six losses. Bobby Rose stepped aside and... Um, and I, I had come back from my knee and then did my patella, so I didn't play a lot of games and then did, had feet problems, so I only played 20-odd games. But, but Lee Matthews uh, arrived 86 and then sort of weeded out a lot of the boys, uh, revisited uh, the playing list and, 
and uh, you know, sort of about twenty odd players, thirty players of a list of around sixty fell by the wayside, and he he then proceeded to bring some kids up from the under 19s namely Gavin Brown and Francisca McGuan, Longhorst, and there was a two or three other uh, really good youngsters. So he clearly could identify talent. Uh, he had a, a game style he wanted to impart, and uh, and we finished second bottom eighty seven, mm. um, and so but. Importantly, grounded some kids. We, we we put some games into some kids, and by the end of '88, we were second top. So we went from bottom to second top. These kids now would play 40 games, and by the time you know we go into 1990, they're 80 game players the, in the, that core group. They're young veterans, and you talk about the mindset between the years. Uh, 1990. This was your football life at Victoria Park. You're playing your, your old foe Essendon at the MCG on a beautiful day. If ever you're going to break the collie wobbles, uh, I believe this was it. Yeah, well, yeah, well. Again, I, I think you need, um, you know, uh, you need a little bit of luck in football, uh, as in life. You know, right place, right time. You made mention about playing players playing for for some, you know, playing in grand finals at a very young age and. You know, not understanding what all the commotion is is about. You know, uh, the winning of grand finals and um, well, 1990. You know, we, we we go into that game. We had a little bit of luck, and our luck came when we drew against West Coast because what had happened, you know, sort of unbeknown to us, really, the way it sort of uh, panned out was that uh, we drew that game, and because of the rules at the time were that the games there was no extended play or extra time given to get a result, so we had to replay that game. Essendon had a week off, which all teams welcomed at that time of the year, And um, but the thing was that uh, they had to wait until we played the following week, mm. get a result, and by the time they played, it was a 21-day mm. turnaround. Wow. So, yeah. um, And they really, in the preliminary rounds, they would beaten us twice in the preliminary rounds, finished on top of the ladder, and in the end, we went into that game and beat them by 10. So psychologically... The upper hand was with us. We go yeah. into the grand final. The Bombers kicked the first two. We kicked two late. And then uh, the fight started and, and we took off in that second quarter. Well, it's great to catch you, Dakes. Our time together on behalf of Tobin Brothers celebrating lives is nearly up. But, uh, you know, all of those guys you played with, we all would love to, to have Darren Mullane here. But it's just a very, very good lesson. We're not invincible. Alcohol is a killer. And it's the only blight on what is probably the most famous year in the history of the Collingwood Football Club because the Collie Wobbles were just ab- abolished. Yeah, well, yeah, it was. I mean, and he was a huge part of it. It was fitting that um, he ended up with the uh, the football. And, uh, you know, the, the, again, there's two parts to it. I mean, yeah. Darren Mullane, the football, and Darren Mullane, the person. The, you know, football is football and kick a bit of leather, but... Uh, at the end of the day, you, you you come away having had that camaraderie and and the friendships made. And yeah. the sad fact is he's he's not around today. And I I will say that uh, each time we get together and um, there is a reunion, or if the boys, um, you know, sort of one or two of the boys, half a dozen of the boys get together, his name's never too far away. No. And, um, Always had, part of it. Yeah, the clubs had reunions and. We've had um, Hall of Fames and whatnot, and he always writes a mention. He'll, he'll never be forgotten, and he was a super, super, super person. Dakes, this has been just lovely, and I can feel you know that a lot of people will really, really be enjoying uh, what you've said. We really appreciate your time today to celebrate your footy life and, 
as I said, without uh, going over the top, when the history of the game is written, you'll take your rightful place, my friend. And thanks, Stakes, for giving us some time today. Uh, thank you so much, Rex, and uh, thanks for your friendship. Thank you. If you'd like to hear the extended version of this interview, check out facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals, or you can follow us on Twitter at Rex Football Life. My goodness gracious me. This has been This Is Your Football Life. Thanks to Tobin Brothers celebrating lives. It's just been marvellous for James and the team to just find out some of these hidden secrets that we can celebrate now. And join us next week from 7.30am Sunday morning on 11.16 SEN.